Let, me, let us begin then with Scripture reading in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20. How many of you could probably say this verse by memory by now? We've been using it all month. <laughs> We've been scouring and breaking up this whole text every Sunday. And we kind of began from the bottom and moved our way up. Today, I will be concluding the series of the Ministry of Reconciliation. That's what we've been studying at all levels. And when Jesus speaks about reconciliation, when Paul, who's the one that writes this, speaks about reconciliation, Paul is speaking about reconciliation with God, reconciliation with oneself, and reconciliation with every other being in, in creation. So listen to and for the word of the Lord as we read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16, 16 through 21. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we now know Him. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. And all this comes is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ and has given us this task of, reconciliation, of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The Word of the Lord. You see, today I want to, to, to present the argument that the ministry of reconciliation is actually up to us. When I say up to us, it's up to the church of Jesus Christ. Did we not read just now that God gave this message of reconciliation. God calls us ambassadors of this message. So, I mean, it implies that reconciliation is up to us. It's up to us to bring reconciliation to this world. It's up to us to tell others that God is no longer angry with you, that God is no longer Actually, that God has already judged you and found you at guilt, but God has brought through grace Jesus Christ who makes you right with God. It is up to us to behave in such a way like the verse begins, not to consider others as the world considers them, not to look at others and consider others, assess others, relate to others, or evaluate others the way human beings evaluate people. Because we are a new creation. In the first week of this study, we began to study, and we actually learned that the one who initiates reconciliation, the one who starts reconciliation, the one who fixed the issue, the one who settled the score, the one who cleared the path, the one to pay the price was God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. In our second week, we, we found out that God has a message. God has a message, 
And Paul calls this message a message of reconciliation. And this message requires messengers. And we found out that we were the messengers, the ambassadors. We also found out that if God has a message and we are the messengers, who's the recipient? Who do we send it to? I'm pushing the button send. Who do we send it to? Guess what? There are recipients out there. There are people out there who are waiting to hear the message from God. Believe it or not, they are hungry. They are thirsty after the message of hope and unconditional love that God is offering through us. Because reconciliation is up to us. Our third week, basically last week, last Sunday, we were discussing the idea that our lives are lived in togetherness. That because God calls a church, God calls a body of believers. God doesn't call individuals to be solo actors in a, in a drama of their own making. God brings us together, so God brings the church together as a community. And that this community is a community that requires healing. It requires healing because when we get together, we begin to smell each other's smells. We begin to see each other's quirkiness. By the way, I couldn't find that in spelling. <laughs> uh, we, we begin to, to kind of see our weaknesses, see our brokenness. Actually, we begin to see each other's sin. And the human reaction, as Paul says, that we are no longer evaluating seeing people in this way, but our human reaction is to, oh, I don't want to hang out with that person. Oh, they shouldn't be in church. Oh, no, I don't want to hang out. I'm going to sit on the other side. That is the human tendency. But we are a new creation. God has given us the love, the patience that overpasses all of that. So instead of doing what the human tendency says, we do what the spiritual tendency says, to build relationships. Join that person. Listen, that abrasive kind of weirdo. And guess what? You may become friends because you'll see each other's weirdness. And that's good. But today, I want to talk, I would like to invite you to think and embrace, to think first. And then maybe embrace the notion that reconciliation is up to us because we are a community of reconciliation. So what are the signs? What are some of the signs of a community of reconciliation? Oh, there are many, many, many signs. If I were to share with you some of the signs of a community of reconciliation, Tony, we would be here for a long time. But because I want to get out of here too, and I want to have a life out there with my relatives, I'm going to only touch on three points. Very pastoral. <laughs> three points that basically describe in a larger umbrella kind of uh, way uh, what is a community of reconciliation. The first characteristic of a community of reconciliation is that it is a welcoming community. Now, I want to distinguish here friendliness versus welcomingness. Friendliness versus the spirit of welcoming. Today, Cheryl, as we kind of discover, uh, people were saying is that this is not a friendly church. It's a very welcoming church. Uh, why? Do you realize that friendliness today has been diminished, has been shrunk to the idea of like? And therefore, we have friends because we like them. We don't know them. We know things about them. So the idea of friendliness in our world has kind of been watered down. Oh, we have friends and we know what that means. 
But there's a newer generation that is dealing with the concept of friendliness in a very superficial manner. That means, basically, wimp, what's in it for me? And therefore, we have friendships if something is, if there's something for me. Unfortunately, that's the way our culture is going. In Latter Hope, we have been studying. When I came to this and we were put together, <laughs> we were put together basically, uh, uh, we, we liked the idea that we were friendly. But we needed to expand our concept of friendliness into include the idea of welcoming. See, welcoming, uh, when you have a friend that comes to your house and you welcome them, first of all, if the person feels very comfortable with you, where are they going to come in through the house? The kitchen door. Right, Charlie? <laughs> Not the front door. <laughs> it's the garage door through the kitchen. I could go beep, beeping the, and Charlie's in the front door. He's not going to answer. That happened the first time. Now I learn. <laughs> you see? So we go through the side door, right? Why? Because they're welcome. Actually, we don't even have to open the door. We just say, come in. Right? Get something from the fridge. Right? That's the idea of welcoming in a church. When people come, we invite them. Come and sit with me. Hey, let's go to the kitchen. Hey, let's do this. See, so you are not saying hi, but you're saying hi, how are you, who are you, and you ask questions. That is a welcoming community. Now, that welcoming community also brings us closer together. And therefore, it needs also to become a healing community. The Christian church, from the beginning, actually, Luther used to call the church a hospital. Unfortunately, many times it has become a place of pretentiousness, where we come in our best suit, shaven and trimmed. Today I had to wash stuff I had on me. But we, we come pretending that everything is okay. Luther kind of knew better. Luther called the church a hospital of sick souls that know where healing can be found. And it is in the community of reconciliation that healing is found. Why do we talk about healing? Healing involves forgiveness. Healing involves reconciliation, settling the score, whether imagined or real, it deals with settling the score. Healing deals with patience. Healing deals with forbearance. Healing deals with having peace in the area. Healing means let's cooperate and help one another. When I see the community meals that take place here, and I see even visitors joining in, or people who are just joined the church, as, or, uh, who are coming as participants, they want to come in, and they want to help and we welcome them. That creates healing. So we have stopped evaluating other people from a human point of view. So we begin to treat others with grace. We begin to learn God's kind of forgiveness. And we begin to share it. You see, because God's forgiveness is, is special. See, sometimes when we forgive, we, we, we say, yeah, I forgive you. And then we go and tell somebody else, you know what they did. Exactly. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> exactly, yeah, we all do it. It's amazing. 
But the real thing would be when, when, when I get that, you know, forgiveness, you know what it means? Listen to this. Forgiveness means to stop blaming. Stop blaming. Stop blaming. Don't, don't go beyond that. You don't blame that person anymore. When the memory comes, oh, apply the forgiveness of Christ. Come on. And then you begin to be healed. Your memories begin to be healed, and they become in harmony with the Spirit of God. And that it takes a little practice, you see, because when we begin to forbear one another, we begin to give time and space. We let them with our awareness because we know that we're together, we're one, but they're acting out. Oh, I act out. Oh, have I been acting out recently? <laughs> But I've been behaving. I realize that I've been acting out. I don't know if you know I'm going through a divorce. And, uh, you know. But I began to forgive and not to blame. And that's healing. And that's good. It's peaceful. And I can begin to understand. And to even love, maybe in a different way, but to understand. Okay. I see why. But you see, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, is a new person. The old ways of thinking has passed away. A new way of life has begun. Paul also describes it this way. Don't copy the behavior or, or customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Listen to this. By changing the way you think. Then, once you allow God to transform you and allow God to change the way you think from hate to forgiveness, from superficial forgiveness to real forgiveness, from friendliness to real welcoming, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is always good, pleasing, and perfect. Romans 2, 12, 2. 12, 2. The world doesn't want reconciliation. The world doesn't know what reconciliation means. The world tries to divide us into different criminals, rapists, illegals, legals, who wins, who loses. Reconciliation is up to us. The world doesn't wish reconciliation because they may win by dividing. But God has called us ambassadors of reconciliation. At one time, we valued unity in this country. Now we encourage prejudice, suspicion, and hate of others, especially people that have accents like me. <laughs> so when they want to hate me, I'm going to love them because reconciliation is up to us. When they want to separate us, we're going to bring us together because reconciliation is up to us. When they want to build walls between peoples, we want to build bridges because reconciliation is up to us. When they wish to reject others, we're going to welcome because reconciliation is up to us. When they speak of war, we speak and pray of peace because reconciliation is up to us. When they are afraid and acting out, we are trusting, secure in the love and grace of God. The guy who wrote these words was Paul. Paul had a different name. His name was Saul. 
When Paul was Saul, he was a bigot. Yeah, think about it. He hated Christians. He made, actually, he was the Jew of Jews. Pharisee of Pharisees. Amongst the law, impeccable. That's what he said about, right? That's what he would say about himself. And yet, he gave his religion, he gave his nationalism, and he called it dung. I can't say the other word. But that's what it is. You see, this is the Paul who was at the watching the stoning of Stephen, the murder of a Christian because he was going against nation and God. This is the Paul who persecuted the church. This is Paul who threatened the church. Yet, when he was going to Damascus, we hear the story in, in chapter of Acts. That was a good, I forgot <laughs> chapter. Then he falls off the horse, he becomes blind, and Barnabas, one of the ones that he was persecuting, one of the ones that he was a bigot against, that he rejected prejudice and made sure they were going to die. They didn't deserve to be in this earth. Picked them up. But, but where did he take them? He took them to the worst place that Paul would probably want to go. He took them to the church. Now, Paul is saying, I have seen the Lord Jesus. What do you think the disciples are saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. He just wanted to kill us. He's not one of us. He wanted to destroy us. He was after us. And now he claims that's a spy. That's a double spy. They were suspicious of him. They were afraid of him. He was not the ideal to do the job. But as they welcomed him, they began to listen to one another. They began to see his actions and began to hear his words. And in a few years after that, not immediately, it took a few years. We think it was 30 years. Then the disciples commissioned Paul and Barnabas to be ambassadors of the message of reconciliation. He's the one that writes those words. Paul, the bigot nationalist Jew, was the worst of them all. And he writes, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ in merely human point of view. How different we now see him. So I invite you this morning to not only think about it, but even to embrace the minister of reconciliation that we, God has called us to. This month we have been calling about it, asking you that whenever we, that God is using us to tell the community, come to God, come to God. God is no longer angry at you. And in this congregation, come to God as we celebrate diversity because that's the world that God has created. So reconciliation is up to us. I'm inviting you to come forward now and get one of these, we made these things, you know, take one. Come forward, and as you believe, come on, as you believe that we are the minister of reconciliation, that our church is called to be the minister of reconciliation, that you are an ambassador of reconciliation, we're invited to come and take one of these things. Don't, don't ruin your clothing if you don't want to. That's fine. Uh, you know, there's holes in there. Uh, I understand that. But come and take one if you're able. If you're able, if, uh, at the finish, uh, finish, take one. We are the community of reconciliation. We are the people of reconciliation. We are. And as we come together, let's then let us sing, 
our response. They'll know that we are Christian by our love. Not by our speech, not by our wars, not by our divisions or walls. They will know that we are Christians by our love.